When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Dragon Shield. Use code PLAYTOWIN5 at the affiliate link below for 5% off to help support the show. Welcome to the Play to Win podcast, where we talk about winning in CEDH. I'm Cam. I'm Dylan. And this week, we got a whole lot of different things to talk about. We have a bunch of different topics that were submitted by some of our $100 patrons. And we also have to talk about some of the really awesome upgrades and complaints that we have about some of these new secret layers that are coming out too. Yes, we do. I have a gripe. To, I have a bone to pick, if you will. Yeah, with this is one not typically something that we do. We don't normally no. come on this podcast to complain about magic. I don't want to be negative, basically ever. But about this, I feel like I must speak it to. I have to. I have to speak it out. Yeah. Let's, do you want to just get that out of the way? Let's just get it out of the way. I have to put it up in front of me so that I, I remember everything I'm talking about here. Okay. So the Jurassic World Life Breaks Free Foil Edition. I yes. Think. The secret layer. 10 Jurassic World life breaks free. The dinosaurs are all wrong. They're not right. They're not what they were before, and I don't like it. Atali is a uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex this time, and Register Alpha is a Spinosaurus. Yet on the previous renditions of these cards, those twos were swipped. Polyraptor as Indominus Rex, I actually I don't even remember what Polyraptor looks like, but this is a green card with an entirely blue frame. This is Thumbs so confusing. Me. Yeah, this is like terrible. Yeah. Wayward Swordtooth was originally like a Tyrannosaurus type of dinosaur and is now a Triceratops. That's a completely different dinosaur. I feel like they should be the same type of dinosaur. And Rampaging Frostodon as a Velociraptor, I think that's the only one that it's that that one's actually okay. That one kind of at least makes sense. But the the big issues here with Atali being portrayed as the completely different type of dinosaur, and I think it's just a slap in the face only because there is a Spinosaurus yeah. in the same set. Right. Now, I didn't see any of the newer Jurassic Park movies featuring Chris Pratt. Yeah. Is there like a bad Spinosaurus in that movie? There's a bad dinosaur. There is a Spinosaurus in one of the movies, but I think it's like the third from the original. You'll have to double check me on that one, but I'm pretty sure the third of the original had a big old spine. Out of the Jurassic Park new ones, the bad guys are like these weird... They're not that weird. They're just like man-made clone dinosaurs that are like, I don't know, super scary. That's true. We're really showing our Jurassic Park knowledge here. But, yeah. but <laughs> I definitely, who are we to have these very strong opinions on dinosaurs? We don't even know what the fuck we're talking about with Jurassic Park. But I definitely agree. I, I do kind of wish that they at least made a tally match up with the Spinosaurus. Yeah. I think that that's definitely a big miss. I think the, the biggest faux pas here though is definitely the indominus rex situation here that's just a blue it's a blue card yet it's a green card there's no blue card in this cycle so i guess maybe they just wanted to make it feel like there was but 
this is a, a green creature. I mean, I like the layout of the card and like the design too, but like I just wish it was on Leviathan instead of Polyraptor. Our opinions kind of extra don't matter on this because these aren't even CDH cards. We're no. not going to see these cards. It doesn't matter. But this the, was just the, an issue that the art we had. Is, it's cool. Like I love the way they look. I just think it's weird that they like switched what all the dinosaurs were. I like why 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 do that? Like they, things are what they are. <laughs> yeah, right. Old man yelling at the now clouds. in now we do have a good news situation here from the secret lair where we do have a cedh deck that is getting impacted from a secret lair sure that is only going to be a strict upgrade to from what the previous deck was well what what is that that's tassiger oh. which is now ian <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> convalescent charmer strict upgrade it's a strict upgrade i love when you put the two next to each other like they're in the same pose it really they are it's kind of perfect it really is yeah no they knew exactly what they were doing yeah. here and the secret layer that it's in also has laboratory maniac as another one of like this version it's dude i didn't even notice that that's so funny <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they definitely said you should put together some cedh decks with this because they also put him on uh, Atla Palani too. So oh, if you want to play Shuffle Atla, <laughs> I love the egg token. Is just like three seconds after in the in the commander version. Oh right, it's just like what happens right after that moment. It's the dinosaur comes out of the egg. I don't know why I think that's so funny. Oh man, yeah. I mean this this secret lair is definitely amazing though. Um, yeah. I think this makes Tassiger significantly more playable. Absolutely, because you'll get more laughs. People will be like, "Hi," they'll you'll take it off oh, their yeah. guard. You know, hundred. I think people will let you do more things with this Tassiger and let you get away with more Neo. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So okay, that's our that's our little our side podcast about secret layers here. Moving on, we have a lot of important things to discuss that our uh, patrons have asked us to discuss here. So I can't wait. Give it to me. We're going to pop right into it here. We're going to start with uh, a question that Joey Aaron's asked us. All right, give it to me. Why aren't more people exploring the format? There are so many different strategies and cards and metas changed. Why aren't we seeing more pet deck strategies where people push the boundaries of what CEDH is out Side of the typical 40 to 60 cards we see in the meta all the time hmm. yeah that's a good question it's a little bit subjective so it's hard to answer exactly um in some ways i think there are a lot of people that are exploring the format but i understand that there is a pretty well-defined meta at this point in cdh so it doesn't exactly feel like people are always exploring stuff i think a lot of the exploration becomes a lot more nuanced and very small little tiny advances couple two three four card changes is a big deal to the people who are very involved they're not going to be overhauling and full new 100 cards every single tournament because we've been playing this format for a while now. We've kind of figured out which cards are relatively the best, or at least in the ballpark. Um, but I think there there are there is there are brewers out there that are doing crazy, cool, unique things and, and are winning tournaments with it. I think one of the other things to remember is that this format is still pretty small too. That's so true. you don't always hear about like what a lot of people might actually be doing out there. There's a lot of tournaments that go on that maybe don't even make it to the internet or don't make it to your pocket of the internet um it's yeah there's this it's a it's a small community that's true but because the cedh naturally is focused to the tournament side of things i think a lot of players will tend to lean towards what decks are going to do really well in tournaments yeah because i think that's just something that goes hand in hand with the nature of this format you got to trust the hive mind right like there's so many more minds playing cdh decks than you there's thousands of people we said it's small but there are thousands of other people so that's, yeah that's still a decent amount of people a yeah. whole bunch of people have already tried it they already know at some point you gotta just trust that the hive mind of the magic community is gonna find shit before you most of the time that's not to say that those same people don't 
don't play their pet decks. I just think you don't see these pet decks in tournaments because the players of those decks know that it's their pet deck. Right. I feel like there's a lot of decks that are like that for me. Like, I'm currently building the uh, new two-mana Atali food chain deck. Two-mana? Uh, the two-color. Two-color. <laughs> that would be so busted. Yeah. Two-mana Atali. Yeah. Two-mana Atali. Two-color, yes, yeah, the, which that deck is sick. Yeah, oh, no, and I've, I've seen it in action. I absolutely love that. Yeah. But it's not something that, like, I would want to bring to a tournament. Yeah. It doesn't have the pieces of what I'm looking for for a tournament deck. I have decks like Blue Farm and Thrasios Brews and like Kenrith that like I feel much better bringing into a tournament because I know that they have the stats to back it up. Do you view CEDH and TEDH differently, like tournament EDH and like CDH? Do you view those things kind of separately? Like do you put Atali in CDH and Blue Farm in TEDH? No, I think TEDH is more of a deck building it's more of a deck build building mindset as opposed to an actual like commander mindset, okay. I think. But you do there is a difference, you think. Between yeah, because I, I wouldn't want to dissuade anyone from taking their specific deck to a tournament. I took Jessica Ishai to a tournament and that was my pet deck. Yeah. I, I didn't do well in that tournament. So I think <laughs> that's also kind of why you don't always bring a pet deck. CDH players often they they play to win, so they want to play the deck that play helps the deck them that that's win. really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. TDH. Do I you think, view them different? Yeah, I, I think TEDH is more of like I'm gonna play this specific card in my build to hit the more powerful decks I'm gonna see in my meta. Okay, which is a little bit different than what I think of for CEDH, which is a little bit more open, more is broad. What I would say yeah, a little okay. bit more broad. So okay, but so they're not different formats for you though. Like they're not. I mean, obviously they're not different formats. No, I I, I think they're the same format. You just tend to see more of the same decks in TEDH than you do in CEDH. So you do separate them a little. Are there? Is there a difference? Okay. Yeah. Or do you think they're all CEDH decks and some decks just win tournaments? I think they're all CEDH decks and some decks win tournaments. But I do think that there is a separation for TEDH decks where I know I've talked on the podcast before about like. When, when people play cards like Containment Priest, where that card is, like, specifically good against certain matchups, but yeah. it's not necessarily good against, like, maybe the format as a whole. Okay. It's a card I would play if I'm expecting a lot of Kinnon and a lot of reanimation strategies and a lot of Winota in the format, but maybe I wouldn't just play that in the 99 of a deck if I'm just going on, like, a, a stream or something like that. Fair enough. Okay, so certain cards may sway it a little bit more towards the tournament side Meta choices, yeah. Meta choices. Even, like, Red Elemental Blast. No, the other one. Pyro Blue Blast. Elemental Blast. Blue blast. elemental blast. Even something like that, I think, is more of a TEDH pick where, like, I would just straight up never put that in, like, a CEDH deck that I'm playing. But if I'm going to a tournament, like, I have a slightly higher chance of wanting it. I'm still probably not going to do it, but I am I have a reason to want it more because I'm going to see more decks that are relying on Dockside and Underworld Breach because I have a better chance of running into a mono green deck out in the wild. Sure. Okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I, I completely understand your thought process. Yeah. So that's really my separation there. Um, and it kind of, Joey's question also kind of leads into uh, what Uncle Butts had requested that we talk about, which is just fringe decks and CEDH in general. Just the topic, fringe decks. Fringe decks, yeah. Um, and fringe decks, just to get this out there, that doesn't mean a bad deck. No. It just means that it's not one of these tier one or tier two decks that you consistently see winning in top 16 in tournaments, I would say. Yes, I agree. And I would say. Most often we view 
decks by the commanders when re in reality they should be looked at more by the color pairing so if there is a fringe deck that's a specific commander but it's at a very popular color pairing i think that's when a lot of these decks get underrated a little bit because you'll see something like i can't think of a great maybe dargo silas which is not the most popular version of grexus you go oh that's kind of like a you might say that's kind of a weird deck or something but i think that if it being a fringe deck kind of gets it advantage of it still it probably is a very good grixis deck but maybe just has access to something like burning inquiry no burnt offering burnt offering burnt yeah offering. you wouldn't play that in rog side probably no, you wouldn't. but in dargo silas you could and i think that once you get people's mindset to change on your deck especially if you get to get them to look at your deck in a more negative way you can kind of use that to your advantage then you can kind of hit them when they're not really expecting it that way then too they start to disrespect your deck they don't use their interaction on you when maybe they should um instead maybe they use like chain of vapor on someone else's rhystic study when normally maybe you wouldn't do that and you would hold it up for someone's win condition but if they don't know what you're doing or if, if they have more disrespect for what you're doing versus what Rogsai is doing with the rhystic study there's a lot of it, it's all about the, your opponents and playing against their mindset there definitely is uh, an advantage to playing a fringe deck, I think, is kind of what you're saying, if you know how to play the deck well, because people will underrate it. They'll think that you're playing something not as good than maybe you are. So I think fringe has a lot of value at the same time. I personally, like we were just talking about, going to a tournament, I'm not the player that's going to bring a fringe deck. That's just not me. That's not, it's not who I am as a player. I always want to play one of the best decks. That's just how I enjoy magic and card games is I like to look at the meta. I like to pick one of the decks that is the best deck. I build my own version of it. Maybe make a tweak or two. Maybe not. Maybe trust a good builder and just play that because I enjoy playing the best, strongest strategy in the game. Like that's the part that I enjoy is the gameplay much more for me than like the building of a creative deck. I, that part is less interesting to me. I 100% agree with you, but that doesn't mean that I won't do that when I'm just like building decks for the channel Definitely. or just building decks in my spare sure. time even. Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm going to a tournament, that's completely different. I want to make I sure I have deck. blue. Yeah. I want to make sure I have white. Oh, yeah. And I want to make sure I have black in yeah. my deck at <laughs> least. And that's where Isn't I that start to feel comfortable. Interesting. You said Esper colors, not Grixis colors. Well, red is also very nice to have. And if I'm being honest, I kind of also like having uh, Veil of Summer and access to so you're you just you like a kenrith a lot you've been enjoying I, kenrith yeah. is what you're saying it's been very nice yeah. yes i love kenrith five color is really good getting access to everything is, you might as well right yeah. it's just that's just a great place to be but that's not to say that like i don't like playing more fringe decks in other scenarios oh, right sure. like tournament C tournament edh is not the only kind of cedh that there is most of this cedh that i play is not in tournaments so yeah that's true and it's also not testing for tournaments either so there's a lot of opportunities that I have to play more fringe CEDH decks, and I absolutely love those opportunities too. Even for me, not so much that. I still, I mean, I guess Tim Natana right now could be, is that a fringe deck at this point? Is Blood Pot a fringe deck now? It hasn't been, I don't I know. Mean, its conversion rate is really good in tournaments. What it is, just doesn't well, see I, as much I guess, play. I guess this brings up the question, like, what even is a fringe deck? Like, yeah. what's the line I, between it's very CEDH and fringe CEDH? I don't know. I mean, to me, Blood Pod would not be fringe because it has fucking Timna in the command zone. Like, how can that a Timna deck? But that's like, there are, if you had Timna and the horse, I would say that's probably a fringe deck. So it's not really, it can't just be carried by one. No, I, don't know. I think like reputation has something to do with it too, right? Yeah. Like, Tim, like, Blood Pod has been an established strategy for years. Yes. Thrasios Timna has been an, esta an, uh, an established, I just said the phrase, established strategy. 
for years. Established strategy. Established strategy. Established strategy. Established strategy. But those two decks are decks that you probably could, someone could make an argument for that they're fringe decks at this point because they don't top as many tournaments as they once did. Because what is the line? To me, the line is if you're not tier one or you're two, tier two, you're yeah. fringe. Yeah, sure. But what, that is, what is that already, line of tier? Yeah, yeah. What is tier one? What is tier two? Like It shifts a lot depending on what players are out there testing out which decks and playing which decks. And it depends on what just got printed. And there's a lot of recency bias. And not only does it depend on all of those different things, but we don't even have a number really for like... Like, is there, like, a certain amount of decks? Like, if you didn't make enough top 16s, you're fringe? If you're fringe after that? There's a couple of other things that I might consider fringe then, too. Like, some things that I know are fringe might be, like, new commanders that have yet to prove in themselves. Like, they, yeah. a card that's recently been printed, it has, like, slight upside to it being in the command zone, but, like, it also has a weird clause, like, it has to attack or it has to tap, and it's, like, not conventionally gonna be as good as playing a partner pairing, but it does add some sort of benefit to being in the command zone yeah okay. something like that to me until it's established is i would consider in that fringe category maybe i was gonna say another one that i kind of view as fringe is i kind of view them in chunks of win conditions so for me thassa's oracle and underworld breach this is kind of one section of the format birthing pot is another section of the format efficient one card combos like najila and tivit this is another corner of the format these are like the three main th areas. Is there another main win condition that I'm not really thinking of? Um, probably, but it's um, all I, I subcategories of that. Jiki is in Birthing Pot, so Winota is in that same ballpark for me. If you're outside of one of those three strategies, that's when I think of it more as like a fringe thing. A fringe thing, Even though yeah. Kinnon kind of falls into maybe because I, but i don't view kinnon as fringe i don't Ken, view kinnon, kinnon as might fringe be either, an exception yeah. the other thing that i look for then is like older commanders that usually have not been thought to be cedh because they don't provide one of the five things that we're looking for in the command zone yeah okay. or two oh, of the five sure. things yeah. being a beater a mana advantage engine card advantage a combo piece combo piece and removal or removal yes you gotta they, have two of those thank you for helping me fill in the rest of our chart with our brains combined we have one brain we have one brain with together brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's something i think we need to get together is that chart those five things okay, that yeah. should be play to wins play to wins requirements for a cedh commander two of these five pick two of the five pick two and if you have one At or less two yeah French. Adding more of them is free, as opposed to like you go to a restaurant where you add more toppings and it costs more. Not here. Nope, it's free. You free. can add more. You if may you do like. it. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely a lot of upside to playing these fringe decks, but going to a tournament, I would still definitely feel much more comfortable just playing decks that I know, which tend to be more good decks. Moving on. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. lowercase has a question give it to me so for a while they've been teaching some newer players and was wondering how we would approach this topic okay what are some common things that come up that people don't seem to understand in cedh for me the very first one is wishclaw talisman Wish Cla- oh my this god is, yes. this is the first one without a doubt we- wishclaw talisman instructs you that you might are only allowed to activate it on your turn not at sorcery speed. So you may do it in your upkeep. You may do it in response to something. It's just got to be on your turn. We get a lot of comments, I think, that think it is sorcery speed, which is not. That's the first one that comes to mind. No, me. yeah, it doesn't. It <laughs> will only be sorcery speed if it's specifically said activated at sorcery speed, but you can do it at any time on your turn instead. It makes it absolutely busted, so you can use it in response to someone trying to stop your Thassa's Oracle win condition. I think of it normally as like, yeah, it's like the last, it's your last counterspell. It's your one mana colorless counterspell where you go find a free counterspell at the end of the counter war. That's normally where I use it. Or to get a win condition piece. Too. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can do anything you want with it, but it, that's how I use it more often than not. For some reason, that's what it is a lot. The times that I always remember us questioning what is going on in a game is normally when there's two replacement effects happening or like two of the same creature that applies a replacement effect most of the time it's the person who controls the affected card gets to choose which replacement effect is being affected like in the case of rest in peace and dothy voidwalker if there's a dothy voidwalker and a rest in peace in play the person whose card goes to the graveyard would go to the graveyard gets to choose which replacement effect is being affected interesting okay so they can choose to put it under rest in peace so that the Dorothy Voidwalker player doesn't get it. Yeah, I'm just going to trust you on that one. <laughs> I looked it up earlier, sure. and it's in the notes here. Yeah, that's, that's probably right. Who am I? I know two opposition agents are timestamped. Maybe that's because those are control effects? So I think the way that that works is because the opposition agents are uh, also have like some layering that's attached to it too. Oh, it's layers that are timestamps. Yeah, it's the layers effects. that are timestamps. So what's happening with two opposition agents is that the person who has the most recent opposition, the second opposition agent that comes into play, they're the ones that get to control the card that is tutored for. Yeah. But it's still the player who owns the card. The owner of the card that's tutored for still gets to choose 
which replacement effect is being applied. However, this is the hilarious part. That player, though, is being controlled by the player whose opposition agent allowed them to tutor their deck. <laughs> so it's actually the opposition agent owner who gets to choose the opposition agent that it goes under, which you would always choose your opposition agent. That's obvious and very clear. And of course, that makes perfect sense to me. It is hysterically flavorful, but it's just like not clear whatsoever. <laughs> But if you look it up, that is exactly what happens when there are two opposition agent in plays. Okay. Otherwise, um, with situations like two notion thieves. Yeah. I've countered and removed notion thieves in play from the stack just so that I didn't have to know what comes up when this happens. <laughs> But if two or more players each control a Notion Thief and a player would draw a card other than the first one in their draw step, that player chooses one of the applicable Notion Thieves in play to apply. So they choose who gets your card. Yeah, so that's that's one of these two replacement effects that are affecting the same thing. The owner of the thing that has the replacement effect being affected is the person who gets to choose which replacement effect it goes under yes okay that makes that makes sense to yeah. me i mean i don't think it should work that way but who am i you know that's that's the way it works yeah most most of the time it works like that dolphy void walk nope um opposition agents the only one that's like a little bit confusing because it does have that timestamp aspect on it i think they should all use the stack so whichever like in in, in, app, in, order. in clockwise order, they should go on in that way. So if you're player A and you search and player B has an oppo and player C has an oppo, player C would try first and would get to do it before player B would get to and it wouldn't be timestamped. But that's not the way it works. That's that's and that's that's fine. That actually seems more confusing to me than the way that it is now. Really? Okay. Because the way that it is now, like if you default to oh, whoever is being affected by two gets to choose where it goes, I would still highly recommend looking it up too. But most of the time I feel like it's swayed towards that being the case for two replacement effects. Yeah. Okay. But the magic rules are absolutely fucked. <laughs> and it's impossible to know what's going on in a game of magic at any given time. Why does Urza Saga die when Blood Moon hits? Layers? Science. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Miracles. That's the only no, reason. No, that's a different mechanic. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Maybe we should be judges. I don't think so. Maybe we should move on from this topic quickly before we make a mistake. I'm going to Google all of these rules 40 times throughout yeah. the editing process <laughs> to make sure that I'm right. And I'll be ready You're to still cut in. Get at least one wrong. I'm still at least one of these is wrong. A hundred percent. This is definitely something I've always been anxious about talking about on the podcast. Quick, let's but. move on quickly. All right. So Cal Acura has an interest in Tempest Block and Ooh. wanted to know what some of the most impactful CEDH cards from tempest block are so we decided to talk about what we thought the top five best cards from tempest block were in cedh excellent i'm so excited do you want to start do we have the list or should we bring up these five cards and then rank them real quick we should rank them one at a time as Give me the we first normally one. do yeah as we do there's actually a surprising amount of cards that see some cedh play or at least used to see some sort of cedh play in tempest blocks there's a lot of powerful things but um these five things we just think are a little bit above and beyond the rest of the format here the first one that we have here is 
Reanimate. Yeah, dude, Reanimate's one of my favorite. This I play, card is so powerful. It's great in Villas because if you reanimate a Villas, it gets to draw the cards right away. It's great because it's just the cheapest reanimation spell that you could possibly have. That we don't one mana reanimate is the cheapest thing we got. The life loss is not a downside. No, it is yeah. not a downside at all when you, especially when you have forty life in this format. Yeah, so it's just a cool fucking card. It's, it's just, an easy way to get Dockside Extortionist back. If your commander sacrifices Dockside, you can have this to be able to put it back into play really easy and ramp you a ton i love it in like grixis decks for that reason especially in i mean i loved it a lot in Kess when you're allowed to, you can use things like intuition oh that's okay never mind okay intuition with uh reanimate to turn spoiler into a, alert <laughs> go into a one card win condition um where reanimate's really great there and just as a backup reanimate as like a let me just reanimate somebody else's powerful thing is really strong yeah, I definitely agree. Reanimate is also very impactful in a ton of other formats as well. It's yeah. made Legacy a super awesome reanimator deck that's been around for years. And is far too powerful for modern. Far too powerful for modern. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah, love reanimate. So that's definitely the best card in Tempest that we've talked about so far. I agree. The next one that we're going to talk about is... Should we read what these cards do, by the way? Yeah, we could. Reanimate is one black mana... Uh, to for a sorcery and it says return target creature from a graveyard to play under your control and you lose life equal to its mana equal to its power it's mana value it is the mana value do you want to do intuition next since uh, we talked about it yeah sure let's do intuition next then so intuition is two and a blue for an instant that says search your library for three cards you know, just pull it up. That's what it says. And then Let's target let... player chooses one of the cards. You put one of the cards in your hand and the other two in your graveyard. Rough. Yes, that is what it. Yeah, that's well, what that does. is what you can. Yeah. It is just two. It is just three cards. It can be any three cards. Any three cards with different names. No, no, no. Because oh. the original oh, intuition yeah. decks yeah, and yeah, standard yeah. would use it as a demonic tutor, an right. instant speed demonic tutor, because you could play four of a card in standard so, so busted right yeah so you can just go get any cards um and normally this is used to go get underworld breach savine's reclamation and lion's eye diamond so you can basically guarantee yourself lion's eye diamond and underworld breach and now all you need is enough cards in your graveyard to intuition brain freeze into your graveyard and now bada bing bada boom you've won that game yeah intuition is a very powerful one card win condition in our format blue farm the strongest deck in the format uses it to win the game all the time um, I think it's kind of in, I don't want to even say underplayed because I just said the best deck in the format plays it a lot, but I always feel like it should see play in more decks. It's just, it's a very strong line. Uh, it's very efficient and you don't have to play a ton of dead cards. You got to be in Jeskai colors. Yeah, is the that's thing. The only thing. And there's a, a lot of decks that aren't in Jeskai colors, which is kind of where this really shines. Like there's mono blue decks that will use it with really cool ways to get like polymorph, uh, with like polymorph, the staff of polymorph and, mystic polymorph polymorph yeah, yeah. mystic bland <laughs> polymorph yeah yeah so it's got a lot of cool utility it can go get you free counters if you need it it's definitely a fun card to build around because you can structure your deck so that it can kind of get you out of a couple of different situations if you especially if you have three free counter spells in your deck it can always be an extra counter spell i love that use you can case find for it. Yep. well i don't i hate it because then i'm down two free counter spells yeah. in my deck and three mana but, but i look at it like you got a counter spell off and you have two extra cards in your graveyard that you can pitch for underworld breach stuff so. which is probably 
probably in your hand anyway, which is why you feel a lot more comfortable doing this. Yeah, so, so it's all part of the puzzle. Uh, it's a great card, great tutor. If I can play it, I am playing it. I think this is worse than... Uh, no, probably totally than Reanimate. Yeah, I was going to say totally disagree if you were about to say no. what I thought you were about to say. I but personally love Reanimate so much, so I'm a little biased, but I think on power level, this card is stronger than Reanimate in our format. In coolness, in terms of how cool it is, yeah. Reanimate is definitely good. cooler than Intuition. Yeah. But in terms of power and like the amount of games that Intuition wins, Reanimate is just like a puzzle piece yeah. in the midst of everything else. Whereas Intuition the, is like... It's the box that the it's, puzzle's coming. It's the box with the photo of the pic of the <laughs> puzzle on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so the next card we're going to talk about is Ancient Tomb. Ooh. This is a land that taps for two colorless mana and deals you two damage when you do so for it. Do a three for three. I am. Ancient Tomb is fucking great. I think it goes in most any decks, not every deck, but most every deck. I haven't been cutting this card. What you haven't. You, uh, what do you cut this card in? No, yeah, I, there's, that's what I'm saying. I, I put it in, in basically every deck. Even the ad nauseum decks that are so concerned about their life total want to be able to power out arcane signets on turn one and shit like that. The extra mana is just worth the life. That rate is just a good rate. So anytime I can use this one, I'm doing it. It helps you recast your commander. It helps you pay yeah. for Thalia taxes and Trinospheres and stuff like that. Heuristic studies. It's always the first colorless land that I put into my deck. Very powerful card. I think it is uh, probably the second strongest card on this list. I think it's maybe you stronger think it's than... under intuition. I think it's under intuition. I could see that. Well, it sees more play than intuition does. It sees a ton. You know what? It's significantly more ubiquitous. I think that. That, all right. It's the best one so far. Tippy tippy top. Mana is really fucking good. Well, you know what? Speaking of mana, Lotus Petal is the next card that we're going to talk about then. Yes. Lotus, Lotus Petal is a zero mana artifact, and you can sacrifice it for any color of mana. It is uh, one third of black lotus and literally a petal of it yeah. yeah um i think this card also goes in just about every deck there are some slower stack decks that maybe don't want to waste the card on the mana exactly there's some collector oof decks that i see excluding this yeah. and there's even some collector oof decks that i see including this because the power of being able to use it on your turn one to collector oof very good is still so high i this is this is very close to the power four of cdh yeah. which i've kind of view as chromox mox diamond soul ring and mana crypt that i think go in every deck lotus petal for me is like that fifth one that goes in most decks it hangs out right around mana vault um they're they're very very strong they're just not quite as powerful as some of the other ones and since lotus petal isn't reusable but lotus petal also has the pro of being very good with underworld breach um, like we were talking about with under That's intuition. True. Yeah, your budget LED is this lotus petal, so you can also you need a ton more cards, but you can also use it to help turn through your deck. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, it's a very powerful card. I think it's stronger than Ancient Tomb. I think it's probably stronger than Ancient Tomb. A free treasure as part of your ninety nine yeah. is just absolutely insane. That is kind of, it's so funny. That's all it is. It's just one treasure. It literally is one treasure, <laughs> but it's an abusable treasure yeah. because of yeah, it's a card. It's a card. Um, and then the final card we're going to talk about is Humility. Yeah, what does this one do? This is a weird one. So this turns all creatures into one ones with no abilities. Yeah, that is that is, is kind of simple, but what it actually does when you say it like that. Oh, do you want, should I actually read? No, what it, it does? just it plays out so much more complicatedly. I feel like a lot of times. Oh yeah, it definitely <laughs> just, does because it seems like an easy to understand card. It ends up being confusing. Very strong card. Very strong card. Yeah, oh, if very could, few decks can abuse it. Is the issue? That's the thing. There's been Tevish Ishai decks that are able to really break parity on this because you cast it after Ishai is huge, and then you have one creature that's massive and no one can deal with it. Then plus Tevish at the rate that you can pump out 
one ones now yeah. is just much faster than everybody else. So it really helps you overcome the the board in the long game. Yeah, that is a very cool strategy. One that I don't I think is I don't want to say underexplored, but hasn't seen as much play in tournaments. But it's a fringe deck. It's a fringe deck. It's that a one, fringe deck. That one's a fringe deck for sure. That's kind of where humility sits. Is like the card is very powerful, but it's it's almost too powerful. There's nothing that can really. There's not many decks that can break parity on it. It's good against everything. Yeah, like if if every deck could play it, they probably would just because of the impact that it has on Dockside Extortionist and Thassa's Oracle Wing Cons. And literally, the more that we're pushing towards a creature meta, the better humility is going to get because it's going to shut off all the other stacks pieces too. It's going to shut off Opposition Agent and Dranith and now all of a sudden... Orcish Bowmaster. (laughs) Yes, you can draw cards and cast your commander all of a sudden. Shit. Yeah, the only other deck that I ever see humility in is like Shorakai. I played it there before where you don't really care that... You don't have. You're not playing any creatures. You're just playing, um, maybe just the one tight spot tyrant or Hullbreaker horse, something like that, and you can just bounce your own humility when it's Dude, time to do that. Dude, humility seems like fucking awesome in yeah. that deck. And then you can also just do Ice Scron Scepter Loop still yeah. through the humility because your commander isn't technically a creature. No, anyway. it's an artifact. So, it's not a creature at that yeah. time. Wow, that's fucking hysterical. But besides those two decks, I don't really see humility much other places. I think I'm putting humility at the bottom of our yeah. list here, just because it's it, fringe. It's fringe, yeah. It's fringe. it's fringe. It's the most fringe out of all of these. Reanimate is normally like a 101st, 102nd card for me in a lot of decks, but Humility is normally like a 270th, 271st yeah. card for yeah. me. Reanimate, I normally only include when I'm playing a Reanimate strategy, when I have things like Villas and maybe a Razaketh in my deck or something like that. If I'm doing that, Reanimate's in. If I'm doing Kess with the Intuition line, Reanimate's in. Outside of that, as like just a card, doesn't work for me. No, yeah, I totally agree. So our top five. Give it to me. Our bottom one is Humility. And number four is reanimate at number three we have intuition at number two ancient tomb and number one lotus petal well that was a great list excellent job cameron thank you for putting all these together Thank you, everyone, for submitting your Patreon topic. And thanks for watching. If you'd like to support us directly, you can do so on Patreon, like our $100 patrons. Special thank you to Joey Aaron's Uncle Butts, Alan Button Lowercase, and SoCal Acura f- for submitting your topics today. Thank you to Devlin, Mark Cirillo, Zachary Nelson. She doesn't even go here. Stormageddon, Luke Cook, AJ Albosaibi, Kylock, Demon of Rosgrees, Kwaja A. Hamid, Lauren Connell, and Baby G-Bus. If you want to pick up any of our merch, you can do that at playtowinmtg.com. Thank you to Dragon Shield for supporting the show. Make sure you support the show by going down to the Dragon Shield affiliate link and using code PLAYTOWIN5 for 5% off your order. Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram for more content. Thank you so much for watching or listening. See you next time. So long, internet. Or listening. (laughs) But I did it this time. $50 patrons. And Thomas, Tyrus, Heckin, Libel, Malcraft, Focus, Lamia, Jabaha, Dalton, Pote, Kadanis, Lutri's Dad, Mitchell Shepard, Justin, Man, Solo, Pedro, Jacob Depp, Michael Ballou, Jan, Wild, Fang, Thomas Bueno, and David Nelson. All right, let's do some warm-up exercises. All right. Let's do some warm-up exercises. 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 Let's do some warm-up exercises.
Let's do some warm-up exercises. All right, we are clearly on the same wavelength. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.